Hey, Boilermakers, this is season three of the Success Express. I'm Jordan Ingram, and I'm so glad you're listening in. Each episode, we discuss all the questions we have as students and job seekers. We're talking about job interviews, internships, networking, career fairs, and how to put your best foot forward. We're not only tackling the hard questions, but we're here to encourage you to make the most out of your college experience. Our guests share advice, personal experience, lessons learned, and so much more. It's all here and it's all happening right now. All aboard the Success Express. Today's guest is Sam Mitchell. Sam attended Purdue for her undergraduate degree and is now a grad student pursuing her master's in speech, language, and hearing sciences. In today's show, we will be discussing all things related to grad school. This includes determining when to go to grad school, how to prepare during your undergrad, and navigating the application process. Many students may not know this, but it's recommended for students to start preparing for grad school almost a year out from when they're going to apply. I don't know about you, but this is so much longer than I thought. So Sam will be sharing her journey of applying to grad school, which includes how to ask for a rec letter, perfecting your application questions, and the differences between applying to college and grad school. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sam. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for coming in today. I'm so excited to talk about grad school with you specifically, and I feel like your experience with being here both for your undergrad and your grad really can provide some great insight for any students who are considering going into grad school. Mm -hmm. So let's just dive right in. Can you just kind of describe your academic journey, a little bit of your undergrad, and where you are today? Yeah, of course. So I came into Purdue for my undergrad um, as a speech, language, and hearing sciences major. Um, So basically, people in this major go on to become speech, language pathologists or audiologists. And people with this undergraduate degree, they can't really go out into the field and work um, because they do require a master's degree or um, a doctorate. So um, I kind of knew from the beginning that I was going to have to um, pursue some higher education. So it's kind of been in my mind since the beginning, since I chose the field. So I spent three years in undergrad here and graduated a year early. And during my last year, I applied to graduate schools kind of all over. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through that whole process. And then it just came down to that Purdue was the best choice. And so I chose to stay here and... Um, this is my second semester as a master's student here at Purdue. That's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you want to do after grad school? Yeah, so it's kind of up in the air right now. The master's program here at Purdue for speech-language pathology is a clinical master's. So um, we have a lot of clinic experience, and then once we graduate, most of us go on to become speech-language pathologists. So they either work in the schools and help um, children with like articulation things like saying their R's and S's or help with like dyslexia or that kind of thing and kids in schools but they also can work in a lot of settings they can also work in hospitals uh, helping people with strokes or with brain injury or people who can't swallow correctly that's also part of the field too Um, so right now I'm leaning towards more of the medical side helping with swallowing disorders Um, but I also really love research so I'm considering Mm -hmm. coming back for my um, PhD but so I'm, I'm not exactly sure where I'm uh-huh. going to be after after my master's degree. So that's kind of up in the air, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, that's so cool that you have so many cool options. Mm-hmm. I never realized that your major, you could go completely like educational-based, but then you could also go 
more into the science and the biology almost. Yes, yeah. Which is really fascinating. So, in your mind, was there any doubt of, should I wait to do grad school? Or, especially, like, for your program, like you mentioned before, was it more of, it's a requirement, I must do it now? Yeah, so I definitely thought about taking a gap year in between, just because, you know, grad school is expensive, and, I mean... Even if I were to say my full four years, it is scary to go into graduate school because it is different from undergrad. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you do stay at the same place, the demands are completely different. And I think I've seen that coming directly from undergrad is that, yes, I'm still at the same university, so I have a leg up on people coming from the outside. Yeah. But, like, my day-to-day is 180 from what I did in undergrad. And so I definitely did consider doing a gap year, but then what it came down to was you know, I was accepted to all these places and I'd already applied, um, but just because the application process is so early mm-hmm. um, in the academic year and it's expensive. And so once I'd gone through and actually applied and spent the money on taking <laughs> on taking the GRE and then sending my GRE mm-hmm. scores and then paying all these application fees at that point, I was like, well, if I get in somewhere, it's going to be hard to, to not do it and, and then take that year off because I've dropped all this money on the applications. Why would yeah. I not? go and then have to do it again in the fall so yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. so when did you actually start planning for grad school and then what kind of steps did you take to kind of prepare you because I know there's a lot of planning beforehand yes you even get to like the filling out the application exactly yeah so I think the first step is the GRE so it's basically the SAT but for grad school and so I started studying for that in the spring before I applied so like senior year you apply in the fall Okay. Um, and so I started studying the spring of my junior year. Okay. Um, and then I took it over the summer. The test is designed so that you're meant to get the same score across, like, any, like, amount of times that you took it. So, like, if you retake it, you're not really supposed to increase in your score. Interesting. So okay. It's, yeah. So <laughs> they say you shouldn't take it more than once because it's not going to make that big of a difference. I have talked to people who did have big jumps in their scores across tests, but I've also spoken to people who took it again and they didn't change at all. And I think it's like $200 to take it. Oh, wow. So <laughs> so it's a hefty price. So yeah. I know that like preparing for that, since I did know, one, it's expensive, two, it's not supposed to change that much mm-hmm. between tests. So I studied a lot for that over the spring semester and then over the summer um, and then took it at the end of the summer before my senior year. Um, so that was really the bulk of the like prep, at least before filling out the applications, um, was studying for the GRE and then also just researching schools because there's so many schools out there and depending on your field, like the top 20 schools could all be great and all um, be within your reach coming from an undergrad as a Purdue student because we're so highly thought of in so many um, departments that it's just researching the schools and finding the like nitty gritty information on their websites and contacting people. And I actually went to visit schools um, over that summer too just because I knew that my senior year was going to be a little bit busy, and so I wouldn't really have that many weekends free mm-hmm. to go visit schools that often. Yeah. Um, and so I did, like, just go on some weekend trips just to go see the campus and try to set up meetings with people, um, even though I hadn't applied yet, just to get some questions answered because it's not always apparent on the websites. Yeah. But then after that, um, then it's really just filling out the applications, um, securing your rec letters, mm-hmm. which is kind of a nerve-wracking thing, yeah. <laughs> asking professors for rec letters, but securing those and then after that it's just filling out the application sending transcripts all the organizational things yeah 
So tell me the story of getting your rec letters. I feel like that's something that a lot of students are so scared to go up to professors yes. and be like, I need a favor from you. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> um, I think the important thing to remember is that they do this for students all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was a nervous wreck before I asked any of my professors. <laughs> and there's actually one that I work really closely with. And so like she's open and honest with me all the time. And she was like, why are you so nervous? Like I, I expected you to ask me. And also students ask me all the time. This is just part of what I do as a professor. So the th- so if you ask them early enough, they're going to say yes and be happy about it because they're here to be a professor. They're here to teach you and encourage you. And so don't be that nervous. You will be nervous, but <laughs> but it's not as scary as you think because when you get there and you ask them, they kind of know where the conversation is going from the moment that you're like, so I'm applying for grad school. They know from that line uh-huh. that you're going to ask. And uh, I think an important thing to ask them is instead of asking if they will write you a rec letter, ask if they can write you a good rec letter. Oh, uh-huh. um, And most of them will be honest with you. I know someone who they asked a professor that question and they said, honestly, I, I don't think I could write you a good rec letter. Wow. And it wasn't anything against them. It was just they didn't know them well enough mm-hmm. to actually speak to who they are because they're putting their, their reputation on the line by writing you a rec letter for a school. So I think that's a better way to ask it. And that's even scarier to ask because... I think there's a higher chance of rejection. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they will be honest with you. And most of the time, it's not because they think you're a bad student. It's just no. because they don't know you. Um, and so I think that's another thing that I actually did to prepare was I tried to go to office hours a lot um, for professors mm-hmm. in, like, the spring of my junior year and the fall of my senior year um, just to get to know them so that they would know who I am. Even if I didn't have questions about um, the coursework or the material, I would just ask them questions about research or about things that they're interested in or just come up with some kind of topic to discuss with them so that they would have a name to the face and know me so that I could ask them the question, can you write me a good rec letter and have it be a positive response. Yeah. I love how you ask the question of a good rec letter. Every professor could write a rec letter. Yes. It's just at what quality are they going to exactly, write the exactly. <laughs> letter at. And I also love that you said that your professor said, I expected you to ask. Exactly. So professors are wanting to help their students mm-hmm. for their education are, and again, expecting, like, if you have a good relationship with a professor, they want to help you. Exactly. Which I think makes it a little bit less scary. Exactly, yeah. Um, hearing that kind of perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so what other resources did you use um, either to prepare for your grad application process or that you had to use to, like, maybe give you an edge up? in the application process. Yeah, so um, so I think a big bulk of the application, I mean, is the rec letters, but then also is your essays. So most of them mm-hmm. will ask for a personal statement or a statement of purpose. Um, so basically, and most schools have a question or a prompt for you, whether it's one prompt where you basically have to stuff as much information as you can mm-hmm. into, into answering one question, or they have multiple more specific prompts. Um, so I had, across the board, the schools I applied to, I had all different options. So something that I had to do was go through and basically, like, make the meat of each of these each of these statements. Because in reality, even if they ask specific questions, I used the same material. Because I wanted to highlight the experiences I had and what I would be bringing to the program. And um, so basically, it's the same across the board. And so um, there's actually a, a resource here at Purdue I'm blanking on the name right now. Yeah, no, um, it good. might be through the CCO actually. We do have resources here. We have people specialized in like the knowledge of grad school. Yes, and stuff yeah, like that. and so I actually like wrote out 
my like personal statement just like mm. got all my thoughts on the page because that was like a roadblock for me I was like it's gonna be so hard to write this but then once I just sat down and typed a bunch of stuff and then refined it a little bit um, I set up an appointment I think through the CCO with somebody yeah. and then they ended up just emailing me and saying is it just for your personal statement if so just email it to me and I'll make edits and email it back so that was awesome because awesome. I didn't have to trick across campus to come no, over to Young. Yes. And then I just got all these edits from someone mm-hmm. um, who is specialized in in the in the writing process and in grad school. And she gave me great advice um, just over email about what I, what I needed to change. Um, so that was a big part of it was refining and editing and tweaking the personal statement because that is a big part of showing the application committee who you are. Because they yeah. can read, they read, they read so many resumes. They read, read so many rec letters. They mm-hmm. see so many GRE scores. And at that point, what's going to set you apart is what you're going to bring to the program and who you are as a person. Um, so that's I think like a really integral part of the application and making sure that that really portrays who you are, but it is also written really well and in a way that they can understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a great time to like remind anyone that there is so many free resources that Purdue has. Mm-hmm. You just need to explore and ask questions. Yes. So the CCO has things. I believe there's a writing lab with the English department you could go to. And to be honest, any of your advisors, there's definitely people through your department that get questions about grad school all the time. Yes. As well as a lot of them probably went to grad school themselves and can mm-hmm. even attribute their own personal experience to able to strengthen your personal statements and mm-hmm. stuff. Was your resume any different for applying to grad school than it would be, like, for applying for a job? Is there anything that people have recommended you put on there that people might not think of? I mean, you definitely want to tailor it to each school. So, like, I, and this applies to the personal statement, too, that, like, I researched each school, kind of like how you would research any job or, like, company that, that you're applying to. I would research the school and find out what their areas of interest were and, like, what their strengths were as a program. Um, and then kind of like try, try to tailor my resume as well as my personal statement to their to like their university strengths. So, um, you know, Purdue is more they have a couple of specific like swallowing researchers and then voice researchers. Mm-hmm. So I kind of tailored my personal statement to those couple professors and then talked oh. about how I kind of wanted to learn from them and work from them just to show them that I did my homework and uh-huh. research the school versus a different school might have been more child language and speech-based. So Mm -hmm. I talked more about that in my personal statement and put my experiences with child speech and language more towards the top of my resume so that they would see that first. Um, So it's kind of like applying to a job. You kind of tailor it to the company. It's the same thing for grad school. You have to kind of do your homework and research the school and find out what they specialize in so that you can kind of show them, I want to come here and this is what I can add and this is how we would be a good match. Mm-hmm. That's so smart too. Just as you would, like, say, adapt to each company that you're applying for in mm-hmm. each position, that schools themselves specialize in different parts of your major. Yes. And to just show that, oh, I am interested in this part because of, then fill in the blank. Yeah. Is so smart then, because then I feel like you great, better connection. And yes. You get that relationship going. Mm hmm. So now that you're in grad school, what are the major differences that you're like, oh my goodness, I never thought that this would be different, but it is. Yeah, definitely the busyness. I thought I was busy in undergrad, um, <laughs> and then I started grad school and was like, oh, why did I ever think I was busy in undergrad? Um, so definitely that, and just, so that's just like a basic thing, but then I think the other thing for me at least is how much you interact with professors now because in undergrad like yes I would go to office hours and like I worked in a professor's lab so I like knew her pretty well but 
like I have gotten to know so many professors and just like seen how much they like really want us to succeed because they know we went through the ringer with applying to grad school and figuring all of that out and then making the decision of which school to go to. But now we're here, we're in, we've started the program and they want us to succeed and they want us to get all A's. They want us to do really well and then go out into the field and be successful workers. And so they are really here for us and they're supportive. And so that's just been a completely different view because I've always thought of professors and faculty as like high up and like, yeah, not really, not, not that they're on our level as grad students, but like they're humans too. Like they're the same age as like a lot of our parents or like grandparents. Uh-huh. And so um, it, that's interesting is that like, I think everyone in my class has had breakdowns multiple times in the last semester <laughs> and just, the, and it's normally happened in a professor's office mm-hmm. and just seeing how they like approach that and that like they like really do care about us and know each, like know each of us and our interests and do want us to succeed and they're willing to do anything to help us get the experiences that we want and that we hope to get in order to get the best job after grad school. So I think that's a big difference is that in undergrad you're kind of one of a bunch of undergrads versus in grad school there's so there's a lot less of you and so they really do know you and are willing to to meet you and help you in that way. Yeah that's such a unique experience and I think even for you, it's even more unique that you're seeing some of the same professors and they're like, oh, welcome back. Yes, like, exactly. Are you, are you ready for the real test? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. All that stuff was child's play. <laughs> yeah. What you're doing now. And do you have any like last minute advice for anyone who's considering grad school, is in the application process, first semester of grad school, um, anything like that? Yeah, I would just say for people, at least right now, like timely, like I have friends who are seniors who have finished applications and now they're in playing the waiting game mm-hmm. so I would just say be confident in yourself you've done all the hard work you will hear back you will get good news because I know <laughs> I was a nervous wreck for this entire semester last year because you finished all the applications and you're done with all the busy part of, a, of applying and now you're just sitting there like twiddling your thumbs waiting to hear back and so uh-huh. you will hear and it will be good news I'm sure if you're a pretty undergrad I'm sure you're excellent, so just take a deep breath and you will be fine. I guess that applies to any part, whether you're thinking about it, actually waiting, mm-hmm. or actually in grad school, is that you will be fine, you will survive. People have done it before, yeah, and they have survived, so. You will too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've ever listened to one of our podcasts, but we ask one question to all of our guests, which is just, what's the time either in your undergrad or now that you have failed, and like, how have you grown and what have you learned from it? I would say there was one time my sophomore year that I went home for the weekend and this is not that like much of a failure but um I I went home for the weekend um just to like be with family and and hang out and I decided to stay home on Sunday night instead of coming back on Sunday and I had an exam on Monday morning at 9 a.m and (gasps) I was like oh I'll get up at six and I'll drive back like I've done it before and then I ended up Waking up at like 8.45 oh, and no. then being late. So that was terrible. And it ended up working out. The like mm-hmm. professor was very understanding and I emailed them and explained what happened. And they let me retake the exam. But that definitely just like taught me about time management and how uh-huh. I shouldn't always like trust myself to wake up on time. And that I really, yeah. So that's not a very good story. I'm sure I, no. have, I'm sure I have better ones. Yeah. No, that's, I've totally done that before where you've blanked on something. Yeah. But you learn that like you just need to ask and be like, I am totally honest. I'm accepting. I've done something. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. (laughs) 
what can you do for me? Yeah, yeah. And it turned out okay. It did, yes. So, and it has not ruined anything of your no. life plans or anything like exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, and I think everyone's going to learn so much from this process, because I feel like everyone's focusing on college and undergrad now, but there's another step that a lot of students take, mm -hmm. and just to learn some insight is really great, and people will learn a lot from it. So, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Hey Boilermakers, would you be willing to do us a favor? If you enjoyed today's show, could you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? I promise it'll only take a quick second and your review will help iTunes recommend our show to other listeners. Again, I can't say enough of how grateful we are for your support. I would also like to invite you to join the CCO's Instagram community. Give us a follow at Purdue CCO and stay up to date on all upcoming workshops, events, and career fairs. And of course, you could also find us on Facebook and Twitter. As always, feel free to stop by the CCO and meet with one of our consultants to discuss your resume and interview skills. You could also schedule free appointments to meet one-on-one -on -one with the career counselor. We're located in Young Hall and are open Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's all we have for today. I'm Jordan Ingram, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Success Express.